Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 62 of the Cannabis 101 podcast where it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Fun show lined up, uh, we're going to explore the world of microcultivation, but before we do, I want to know, what's your groove? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boo boo, don't it? Pipe in a crate, bong in a blind. This is great. This is the bee's knees. Can you dig it? <laughs> So when I say, what's your groove, basically what I'm asking is that uh, while you're listening to this, uh, if you are indeed going with some sort of cannabis use, what is it that you are grooving with? Do you have a joint? Uh, Are you doing edibles? Are you just relaxing with some CBD? Pipe and a crepe, bong and a blintz. Maybe that's what you're going with. I don't know. Um... Repeated listeners of the show are probably like, find a different clip, man. You use that all the time. But anyway, this is what I'm grooving with, and I would love to hear from you uh, whatever you might be grooving with. You can hit me up on Twitter at uh, Cannabis101, at the Cannabis101, on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Cannabis101 Podcast, and you can email me, Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com if you would like to stay anonymous but still participate in the fun because i love hearing from listeners about uh, when they're listening to the show what they're grooving with i am going uh with the uh uh, some stigma batter actually from uh stigma grow and we had chad hasten on the show uh, a little while ago a lovely awesome company in uh, the red deer area and i'm using it in my utilian five Uh, picked this up from my Good friend Gage Steinke uh, runs the uh, Plant Life Jensen Lake store. Uh, I love it. I got two Plant Life stores uh, right in my area here in St. Albert. So I got the Utilian 5, and uh, for me, I just I got it in the lowest setting, five seconds warm up, and then I hit it. And uh, this thing has some wonderful options with it. So there we go. I got my groove on. Love to hear from you with uh, what your groove is as we go. Here's what's coming down the hash pipe on this show. Kylie Baudry, CEO of Parkland Flower. Going to dive into the world of micro cultivation. And what they have going out in uh, the Parkland area is so cool. If you are into and wanting some seeds, this is the place that you will want to go. You mind if I do it, Jay? Yeah, by all means, dude. Uh, 
do whatever you need to do. So we're going to introduce you to micro cultivation and the process that they went through. There's not a lot of micro uh, cultivators out there, and this should be something that uh, hopefully will be growing as the industry continues to grow. David Wiley, as usual, from the OZ, joins us on This Week in Cannabis News. Canopy growth is expanding. Retail outlets are asking the RCMP for help. We'll tell you exactly what they're asking for. Let him grow. A Manitoba man just wants to have his four plants, and we'll get an update on what's happening with the U.S., federal legalization push from the democrats and what it has to happen uh, for it to actually happen chris ianson our educator and the manager of the nova cannabis jasper ave location he'll be by for what's that strain we are doing cake from habitat craft cannabis make sure if you are getting out to buy your cannabis shop online Nova has the click and collect. I grabbed my beautiful volcano hybrid using that. So you don't just have to get product. If you're looking for a pipe or papers, even anything, throw that in there. When you get there, your order is all ready. I call my volcano supernova. I love it. So anyway, click and collect. Use that when you're out, uh, especially going to uh, Nova shops, head to the Leafly site. You can place your order and it's there when you get there. And Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co., on the business of cannabis, why are some Americans bashing Canadian cannabis stocks? We're going to try to get to the bottom of that one. Our cannabis question is about already vaped bud, and we'll tell you about the Weed Weekly and how you can win something every single week. It's prize time. Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a crepe, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. Question this week is, what do you do with your already vaped bud? Um, if you are a collector of this, I want to know what sort of use you have for it. I've been collecting this stuff for a while. I have a very uh, decently sized jar that is uh, getting fuller every time I use my Supernova, the Volcano Hybrid. So I don't want to just throw it out because I've heard from a lot of different people that you can use it. Um, so I, I want to know what you use, uh, your already vaped bud for, if indeed you do that, uh, there might be some people that just throw it out. Uh, there might be some people that have tried it and it didn't work. Uh, I would love to know what it is. You use your already vaped bud, uh, Pope's nose says melt peanut butter, mix that already vaped bud in there, uh, strain and enjoy use smooth or you'll lose your nuts uh so it's interesting okay so just mix it with peanut butter some people i have heard say just you know uh, do that exactly uh, spread it uh from uh mix it in with peanut butter and spread it on toast and eat it that's what somebody else had mentioned so want to know uh, what you do with it do, can you just uh, you know i have a, a levo and i'm uh, looking forward to um cooking with some cannabis can you throw it in with that and just get a little bit of an extra punch i'm not sure 
hit me up. Let me know what it is you use your already vaped bud for. On Twitter at the Cannabis 101, Facebook and Instagram, Cannabis 101 Podcast, and you can email me cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.ca just for chiming in somebody is going to win a cannabis 101 podcast prize pack as for what goes well with cannabis pickles yes i said pickles uh my wife and i it was mostly her uh just jarred a ton of pickles uh, cukes that will turn into pickles and uh, i actually made a pickle pipe uh, yeah, and uh, we're going to watch uh, American Pickle, an American Pickle with Seth Rogen. Uh, and then this pickle pipe I will be enjoying. It, it's great. I made a pickle pipe and a, a pickle uh, where I put my uh, bowl from a, a different bong in there. And I also did a pickle joint where I stuck the joint in the, uh, uh, the pickle, but it got way too soggy, obviously. But anyway, pickles, that's what I'm going with as for what pairs well with cannabis and you can get the latest on what's happening with the cannabis 101 podcast by subscribing to the weed weekly at cannabis 101 podcast.ca if you sign up you're in the mix for our prize pack every friday we've got some more herbal goods wraps uh uh herbal goods co wraps uh to give away this friday thanks again to malcolm labelle for passing those on to me they are wonderful so sign up you're in the mix but only for subscribers plus it's an easy way to keep up to date with the cannabis 101 podcast in case you missed an episode all right kylie Beaudry of parkland flower we're gonna talk micro cultivation on the other side of the weed song Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very pleased to welcome in studio Kylie Beaudry, the CEO of Parkland Flower, and we're going to be talking about uh, micro cultivating today. But the one question I always like to start with all of my guests is what did you do? career-wise before cannabis because for the most of us you know we're of an age where we did something before legalization or or even medical cannabis came in so what did you do before you got into cannabis well right before i got into cannabis i uh, was a stay-at-home mom uh so um you know i'm staying at home with three kids mm -hmm. but before i had my kids i um was in occupational health and safety uh, right. so i worked for a pipelines company and i basically did all the internal auditing uh incident investigation and all of our regulatory compliance uh which is a great transit trans transitional um, skill to the cannabis industry, the legal cannabis industry, <laughs> and getting through the licensing and things like that, reading regulations, uh, it's something I'm not a stranger to. Yeah, no kidding. There is, uh, from what I've heard, a whole lot of it. How long has been cannabis, uh, has cannabis been part of your life in general? Just over 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and is it something that was, 
you know, kind of started as, uh, you know, like we all did and then has developed into something more? Yeah, just started smoking with my friends, uh, got introduced to it. Um, I'm a pretty hyperactive person, um, having a hard time sleeping even as a teenager. And uh, I felt that it really kind of calmed me down. I, uh, I did a lot of exams <laughs> on cannabis and did well in high school. Uh, so that whole stoner stigma is not near, right. not always the case. Um, and then all the way through university, I consumed cannabis. We started growing it um, because we, as a group, <laughs> smoked so much that we were like, with all the money we're spending on cannabis, we sh- should probably just buy some grow equipment right. and, and grow. So we uh, we did that for, for quite a while. And um, once I... Uh, sort of moved out to Alberta and got into more of the oil and gas industry, working for a pipelines company, of course, we got drug tested. So um, that put a halt to my cannabis journey for a little while. Um, And I would just basically consume on vacations or, you know, weekends when I knew I wasn't going back to work right right away. Um, And then, yeah, I just got back into it after having kids. Awesome. And it's, you know, there, you know, I guess there are some places that uh, that do still test, but for the most of us, we are uh, freely allowed to enjoy this beautiful plant. And and now um, you're you're getting into micro cultivation. So can you just explain for maybe the listeners that are new to cannabis or maybe new to growing what micro cultivation is? Micro cultivation is basically a standard that was put out by Health Canada. There's three levels of cultivation that's allowed under the Cannabis Act. So the first one um, is a nursery, mm-hmm. and that means that they can grow 50 square meters of flowering plants, um, but they don't have any limit on vegging plants. So they could mm-hmm. have. Uh, so many flowering plants within that 50 square meters, and then they can have a giant greenhouse of of clones and plants because their their product is basically to sell uh, clones to right. either cannabis consumers to grow themselves or to other licensed producers. When you get into a micro, a micro is 200 square meters or less of uh, plant space, and that includes your vegging and your flowering space. And then anything above 200 square meters is a standard. And that's when you have to have a quality management program and um, much higher uh, security regulations that you have to follow. So you have to really make the most of your space. You definitely do. And you have to try to um, be as efficient as possible with your inputs. because you can't grow any more than that space, trying to reduce right. your costs on the other side are, are really key to success. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about Parkland Flower. And, you know, so, you know, I know you said you have some experience growing. What made you say, this is what I want to get into? Well, I was um, helping out a friend um, with her topicals company um, that eventually went legal. Mm. And... Um, um, we were making different products and um, we we had des- developed a line of um, cannabis ready bath products where mm-hmm. you could actually take your legal cannabis oil, add it to the bath, bath product and then then use it. Perfect. Um, so yeah, it was a, a really great little start for us um, to get, a, get some more knowledge out there. And um, we were getting product shots done and I met with the photographer and I'm like, do you know what we do? And she's like, yeah, you kind of put weed in bath products. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. She's like, oh, my brother-in-law, he's a grower and he's been looking at doing his license. And I'm like, what's his number? I want to talk to him because, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to find a local grower. And we met and we just hit it off uh, immediately. And that's kind of what started our journey. Uh, That was about July, 2018. 
We incorporated in November of 2018, just after legalization. Um, and then we, we basically started working with the municipal council to, mm. um, you know, to open up zoning for cannabis production. And um, yeah, just step by step got there. Um, we built our facility in October uh, 2019 and sent in our application in November. So wow. yeah, it's been quite the journey. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. That is just such a cannabis way of kind of getting it going too. I mean, you know, in most other professions, you just be like, Google, where can I find this type of worker? Well, that doesn't really exist in, can people aren't advertising how great of a grower they were, but that is the cannabis way, word of mouth, pay it forward. You know, the, I know this person, I know that person. Isn't, isn't that just the total cannabis way? Yeah, and his name is Dustin, and he's been growing for about 25 years. Wow. Um, his grow mentor uh, had been growing for about 40 years. So lots of experience <sighs> behind him. I mean, still lots to learn. We have so much to learn, especially with scaling and, mm -hmm. and making it bigger. But um, he's collected a ton of different cultivars over the years, and we've been breeding. And um, that's actually one of the things we're going to be doing as well is uh, – putting out seeds, uh, mm. which we're very excited about and helping Canadians learn how to grow their own as well. I think that's also an important showcase um, that um, that hasn't really been touched on or really been attacked by the legal market yet. And I think there's a lot of market space open for that. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, unfortunately, there's still Manitoba where you're not even allowed to grow. And that's mm -hmm. that hurts me because I'm from Manitoba originally. Um, but it, it is so important to you know that you know uh, give a man a fish or give a person a fish and they'll eat for a day teach them how to fish and you know it's the same thing you know cannabis i think the great thing about cannabis when we get to somewhere is you can grow at home you know if you're really into it you can press at home if you want concentrates and then when you want something really special you may go out and get it right it's it's yeah. kind of a neat thing that we can not for everybody uh, not everybody has the space or the the knowledge but that's out there for people to to go out and grab and and i do think that's kind of been a um, just kind of under the radar a little bit. Well, I think the the thought behind it is that you'd be creating competition for your own product, right? In that, you know, yeah. well, I don't want people growing their own because I want them to be coming to my stores. Um, but at the same time, you have, you know, lots of people make their own wine and, yeah. and booze. And so, sometimes if you... You know, it's not always the greatest, doesn't turn out the greatest. And sometimes right. it turns out awesome. Um, but they're not always going to have supply. Like they're going to, you know, so, you know, I think if you create that experience with a retailer where, you know, you have somebody come in and mm -hmm. teach, you know, a little mini growing 101 class and that kind of triggers them like, okay, when I run out of my own cannabis, this is the store I'm going to because mm -hmm. they helped me, right? At and the when I, yeah, when I grow my own, I'm going to get stuff from here to compare it. Exactly. You know, you, you create a relationship with that customer. So I've heard lots of stories about the process of, you know, from retail stores trying to get their license to different people. What was the process for you guys like? I know it was long and it was busy, but can you kind of give us the, the Coles Notes version of what this was like and, you know, sort of the things you guys had to go through? Well, there's so much information out there and there's so many rumors. And so it was really, the, the thing was hard to decipher, like, you know, what was true and what wasn't, um, you know, and, uh, you know, just first of all, getting the, the building built. Uh, we project managed our own construction. I mean, basically we did a renovation of a mm -hmm. building and then we moved sea cans in uh, that were prefabricated for growing and um, which kind of helped us out just sure. being able to get to construction quickly. Um, and then just realizing like, 
how much of a budget you really need when it comes to electrical and HVAC. And all of a sudden now you need to get engineers involved to make sure all of that is certified. And so it's not just a matter of like, now we're indoor, like, so that's a little different Mm -hmm. from anybody who's, who's doing an outdoor, that would be a whole different process. Um, But yeah, you got to build it first. Um, That's the rule with Health Canada. That rule changed on May 8th, 2019, where they said you have to have a fully built out facility, which was like, oh, wow. Okay, now we're we're really going to do it. And then you don't turn back, really. Yeah. And then you don't know if you're going to get licensed or not or when or when. And uh, we got a an intent to refuse in January. That was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe. What is that? So it's basically they're saying that you're missing information um, oh. and that there was, you know, you, you didn't have a couple of things. Um, which so kind was, of almost a, uh, uh, like a good good checklist almost, right? Yeah, they went through your whole application. Right. They basically said I didn't include an um, organizational security plan, which I know for sure was in there. So immediately I submitted that again. Um, and and maybe I did miss it. I, it's hard to say. There's uh, so much stuff. Pro right? tip is that when you fill out your CTLS, take screenshots of everything. Ah, Make great sure, idea. Make sure you take a screenshot of all of the documentation that you sent in. But regardless, if they say that they don't have it, you're going to have to provide it. So yeah. there's no point to try to argue or be like, no, I sent that. That's like, yeah. I'm not sending it again. Like you can't do that. Then they'll be like, that's fine. That's We've got fine. other people. There's a long line. Exactly. Right? They, so you're, you need them way more than they need you. Right. So you're in their sandbox. So you have to play yeah. ball. And, uh, you know, so we, we just made sure we were on top of everything. And then we waited for like six months before we got any real like information. June. 12th was when we were finally issued a reviewer and it must have been a little bit like really you know just date trying to take it day by day but thinking like oh it's been this many days yeah and then throw COVID on top of all of that (laughs) it's very stressful and you got a lot of bills and no way to make revenue and it's not for the faint of heart and you know something I've always said is that you can't change it unless you're in it and you know I you know, we are the ones kind of taking the hits at the beginning, you know, all of these small micros that, that started out, there's only 60 of us in Canada right wow, now. That's it. Eh? I know. And there's room for 5,000, you know? And so, um, being, being the first ones, that's tough, but it makes health Canada better as well. Sure. Like it makes the whole process better. Yeah, Everybody's going to make mistakes along the way. Right. I have to say dealing with health Canada, they were excellent. They were professional, you know, their reviewers, you know, they're doing the best they can. This is new to them. Yeah. And with the processes that they have, you know, things are going to get missed and whatnot. But our reviewers worked really hard to make sure that when when we went in for that final review, that there wasn't going to be any kickback for questions. And there wasn't, which Good. was really great. And um, yeah, and then we finally got our license on August 14th, which was... I wanted to throw a huge party, <laughs> but COVID. Yeah, that's right. Small celebration, though. Yeah. I mean, what did, what did you do to celebrate? Um, I went out with some friends, and uh, some of the restaurants have finally opened uh, here in Edmonton, which was nice. And uh, we went out and and celebrated. And just I to mean, share with your supporters, yeah, right? The people I mean, that supported you. The minute I got my license, I I called my obviously I called my business partners, and they were at the facility, so I drove straight over there, and we all had a big cry. And <laughs> yeah, just the relief, right? The relief yeah. is is huge. And then, okay, now we really get to get to work, right? Like yeah. that's just that first step. So kind of where are you now? You mentioned the seed. So let's 
kind of chat about what you guys are doing now. So we were able to declare um, a whole lot of seeds uh, when we were brought on our, our, our declaration. And uh, we've got some really, really neat things that we've bred ourselves. And we've got some other, like, we've got some stuff that came from Amsterdam 30 years ago. Wow. Like, we've got some really kind of unique things. Um, but we really want to... Um, we are taking a big risk in we're going to be breeding in our facilities. So that means there's going to be pollen in the air and, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of standards and, and other micro cultivations have kind of stayed away from the breeding side because, you know, if they're focusing on flower, you don't really want pollen in your facility. Um, but we feel with our small rooms um, and our ability to really segregate our rooms and keep everything separate, um, especially with our procedures and who can go into what rooms, um, that we can mitigate that risk. And I think that is, you know, we're, we're going to be um, doing lots of pheno hunting and I kind of really bringing it back to some of the old school strains yeah. that are coming out, which is exciting. And then we want to come out with seeds right off the hop. Um, we've got seeds already that we're able to come out with, and that's a little bit of a quicker journey to revenue for right. us. Sure. And um, and just show Canadians that they can grow their own cannabis as well. I think that's uh, a huge part of the industry. So who do you sell to? Who are you able to sell to then? Well, as a micro cultivation, um, we are allowed to sell plants and seeds. We're allowed to sell B2B, like business to business, so okay. to other license holders. And we can also sell plants or seeds to anyone with a provincial retail license. So, and that's the same for a nursery. So um, this is where we don't have to have a processing license right. um, in order. So um, when we do flower, we will, without a processing license, you have to sell to another licensed processor. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that limits it. So and that much, limits yeah. it. So this is, gives us the ability to kind of make sales right out the gate. Okay. So I can't, as a, just an individual, come and buy some seeds from you. No, you have to buy them through a retailer. Right. So you would say, and but those retailers would say these seeds came from Parkland, Parkland Flower. Flower. Okay. Yep. Awesome. So what? What's the? I, I've 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 talked to a few kind of growers and um, you know even create. I'm I'm so interested in the the breeding side and the create. I just want to name a strain. I mean, you know, that, I think that's one of the coolest things. But creating something. I mean. I don't have kids. That might be the closest thing for me to, to having kids is, you know, creating something, breeding something and then growing it and seeing it go. I mean, that, that whole process, I think you have to be passionate. I, I, I don't think you can do it just for money. I think you have to have a passion for it because it takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. It's something you have to be dedicated to for a long time. And, um, you're growing for yourself oftentimes, um, or you're growing for a medical patient. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the past, uh, we've grown for medical patients. And um, so you're you're developing something for them specifically, or you're developing something for your environment. Like, so, right. you know, um, growing indoors, you can't have these big giant sativas that are just like hitting the roof sure, all the time. Bending, yeah. yeah, so so you breed them to, you know, to grow smaller. Um, you There's all kinds of different things that you're going to kind of pick pick out of what you really like about a certain plant, whether it's its growing ability, mm -hmm. even its ability to be cloned is a, a factor to look at. So, you know, we've been um, testing a lot of mothers and just seeing like, oh, okay, how, how do these do for cloning? And mm -hmm. if they don't bounce back right away, 
that might not be a good strain to do because um, it takes a lot of time to get them up to snuff. So there's all kinds of things, things that are PM resistant, um, powdery mildew resistant is another thing. So, you know, there's lots of different aspects to plant breeding and also just breeding for taste and mm-hmm. flavor and experience and what you like. We grow what we like, right. you know, we grow the things that we like to, that we like to smoke. So um, we can't wait to bring that to uh, Albertans. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. What, do you have a favorite part of the the growing process? Like, is it when you just start seeing it? Is it the the end process? Do you, like, is there a is there a certain point where you're like, this is what I love about growing? Um, I I love the right at the end of flower when um, when you're starting to dial it in and it's really like they start showing their fall colors. Mm-hmm. You know, the leaves start changing. Fall has always been my favorite time of year, seeing the leaves change. And you see that even in an indoor facility because you're trying to mimic that fall or autumn um, weather, you know, you, everything, you cool everything down, you, you know, you make it uh, a little bit darker earlier, you know, all those types of things. And then, and then just the smell of the flowers at that time, they're really pushing their trichomes. They're really pushing to get that last, you know, bit out. And then they're also searching to be sexed because they're like, ah, I just like, I need to procreate, you know, and that's what's kind of pushing them. And um, yeah, and the smell, like, you know, that terpene, you Mm. walk in and it hits you in the face the minute you open that door. And um, yeah, I just really love that, um, just seeing them flower and seeing them uh, change uh, for the weather. I'm just, uh, I'm so fascinated that, you know, my, my whole goal is to be able to, you know, grow my four plants at home. You know, at some point buy a press because I'm really loving concentrates and I, you know, I love rosin and things like that. And then, you know, you sustain yourself and, you know, it's just, it's just so, it's such a great process to, to also learn too, right? Like, uh, you know, a cannabis plant is a, is a great fountain of information. If mm-hmm. you have a bit of a green thumb, you know, maybe you're, you've done some gardening before. This is a good challenge to take on too, Oh, right? for sure. It's not like growing tomatoes, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole different animal. Okay. So you talked about, uh, the seeds. Are, are there some specific um, you know, cultivar strains that you guys are, that you personally are really looking forward to producing? I'm not going to list them out, but okay. what I will say, we are going to come out basically with three types at the start. Uh, we're going to start with a regular, so you could get males or females. Um, we are going to start with a feminized and okay. an auto flower. The auto flower, we probably won't put out until the spring sure. of next year. Um, but uh, I think that's going to be really popular in Alberta. We have really late twilight here and so a photo finished um, flower is not really great for Alberta weather just for the climate Um, but an auto flower you know you can get that it'll get flowering right away um, and you'll be able to finish it off you know end of September Um, so we're really excited to put that one out for anybody who wants to grow in their garden and and give her a go outside. Can you just explain the difference for somebody that doesn't know what auto flower means? So an auto flower has a ruderalis uh, genetic in it. Um, it's um, basically what what it means is that um, it will automatically flower. It it doesn't need the the change in the the sun basically. So when you're flipping things in your rooms, you go from like an 18 hour. Uh, in the light and then you'll flip it to say 12 and 12 it just depends mm-hmm. on the cultivar what you're growing but you don't have to do that with an autoflower an autoflower will uh, will immediately flower uh, whenever it's ready uh, which is which is great for 
you know, here in Alberta, yeah. when midsummer it's still light out at midnight, yeah. um, a, f- <laughs> a photo flower is not going to work that great yeah. here. In and, and good for the first, unless you're first... doing light depot, because if you do light depot, then that makes a big difference. Sure, and and you know, for the first time grower, it's probably a, a little bit of an easier task for 100%. them. One hundred percent. So good, yeah. good place to start is for auto sure. flower. Yeah. Um, all right, th- this cannabis industry, and we kind of touched on this, I think it's all about kind of paying your information forward and, you know, this person helps this person and so on and so on. So what advice would you give to someone that was kind of looking to follow in your footsteps and, and maybe go down the same path? Well, first of all, you got to look at where it is that you're going to grow. Um, if you have a piece of land or a building or anything like that, the first thing you're going to have to figure out is your land use bylaws. Um, so what are you zoned for? Um, if it's not zoned for cannabis production, you're projects immediately dead in the water unless you get on board with your council so or you start lobbying as what we had to do right we had to lobby our our our, our municipality parkland flower was not named parkland flower by accident we were named after parkland county and that was a nod to the municipality to say help us right. um and we were able to get them to um open it up to eight zones when they were only going to open it up to four so, you know, we really helped expand the, the sure. sector in, in our municipality. So that's the first step is figuring out which municipality you're going to be growing in and what you're allowed to do there. That is such a, in, an important thing because you can have all the, you can have every, you can have all the funding, you can have it all. If you don't have a place to, to do it, if they're not going to let you, um, you're, you're kind of out of luck. Do you find that that was something in the very beginning that was really strict and, and as you mentioned kind of has loosened up even more a little bit well it definitely loosened up just with our amount of lobbying that we did with the municipality um we did open they did open houses like public consultations right. on the on the, the land use bylaw they had a specific section for cannabis and where it was going to be allowed to be produced as well as what kinds of extractions were going to be allowed in certain areas mm-hmm. and um we you know they ended up coming to us for consultation basically because they were like, well, how is this done? And what kind of extractions are, can we expect? And, you know, are people going to be like, they just opened it up for um, agricultural areas, but we're an indoor grow. Right. And so good luck trying to find a rural piece of property with three phase power, uh, city water and all those kinds of things. Right. So um, really going to your municipality and I, highly suggest talking to whoever's in the economic development because they're really going to push that like tell them how many jobs you're going to create how many you know employees that you're going to have all the contractors that you're going to hire and that you're going to have this promise to be hiring local and and we did that you know a lot of our contractors are Mm -hmm. from the edmonton area i'm from parkland county so we really kind of push that agenda that you know we are really supporting the local economy and money talks and if you're telling them that you're going to make jobs um, they are much more receptive. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely coming from that end is important. At first, somebody might just see cannabis and green, and then you show them the other kind of green and the dollars, and then, oh, well, this is a little bit more interesting. And you're right, there's there's lots of people that have unfortunately lost their jobs to whatever different industries. I was in the broadcast industry and you know, no longer in mainstream media, whether it's in oil and gas or uh, coal mining. Uh, this could be another avenue for them. and. And, and this is a kind of an industry that, you know, you don't have to be 25. 
you know, you could be 55, 60 years old and going mm-hmm. into a second phase that, you know, it's, it's, it's really um, uh, an open industry for anybody at any age and any sex and anything. Yeah, well, what was so neat about doing that public consultation? Number one, there was zero negative feedback. So we kind of expected that there was going to be some pushback from the community because you're talking about a farming county, right? And Parkland County is huge. It's one of the larger counties in Alberta and a lot of farmers. And we kind of expected there was going to be a lot of kickback, but there was a ton of interest from farmers that wanted to um, expand or diversify diversify their crop um, or they had like a lot of land or they had a barn that they'd like to convert. Uh, One gentleman I met had a a horse, um, like an arena, that he wanted to convert to a cannabis growing area. So like it's it's neat. And Alberta has been really cannabis forward, like really industry forward. We've even um, displaced um, some cannabis talent from BC that got so much uh, flack from their municipalities. They said, okay, if you guys don't want our business here, that's fine. We'll move to Alberta. And now Alberta, uh, Edmonton is going to be home to one of the largest gummy factories in Canada. Wow. And that those guys were from BC, you know? So um, Alberta has been really pro industry and pro cannabis. I hope it stays that yeah. way. Um, and, uh, you know, we've really kind of taken the bull by the horns uh, with regards even just our retail yeah, uh, we've well, done a the AGLC has done a stellar job um, getting getting retail going when I first moved to Alberta in uh, in the early 90s um, and then I moved back in in later on about 10 years later but when I first moved here they would say there's a church and a liquor store in every corner well you could probably start adding a cannabis store to, to that equation as well because there's church cannabis like you know you go to Lacombe there's five stores for 15,000 people so the stores are uh, exploding, that's for sure. Now, what is the Alberta Cannabis Micro License Association, and how did you get involved as being president with that? Well, um, last year in June, um, I've been talking to lots of people in our industry and uh, lots of small, smaller growers that, you know, is there an association like you know do we have a way to to talk to the AGLC because that's the thing you call the AGLC they're like you don't have a license we're not going to talk to you and so it really put this shroud of mystery over you know was the AGLC going to buy product from us like you know and it's really hard to finance and raise funds when you have that real big unknown. And um, so I founded the Alberta Cannabis Micro License Association. I pulled together a board um, of industry professionals from not just micro owners, um, but also even just from packaging companies. Um, Mm. I've got some communications people on my team. And, um, you know, we really wanted to um, basically amalgamate our voice so that we could so there's one voice. So there's right, yeah. one voice, and well, they don't want 25 people calling them either. No, right? and that's what the AGLC said. They were really excited uh, when we approached yeah. them and, and told them of our kind of what we wanted to do, and um, and then you know we're kind of doing a part of their job for them is that we're kind of keeping our finger on the pulse of of you know how many licenses are coming up, yeah. how many applicants there are in the queue. And uh, what what they can kind of expect to see for SKUs and and other new products that are going to be coming online, and then we can also be that liaison between AGLC and the and the growers when when we have questions and concerns about their mm-hmm. processes, or things like insurance rates and all the different things that it, it's a complicated process to put 
skew through the AGLC. And so yeah. having a one point contact uh, where we can disseminate that information to our members is, you know, really, um, they've looked to us to help with that and which is great. It's given us some cr credibility in the space. That's what I was going to say. You're doing it in a professional way rather than one person calling up and complaining and yelling. You're putting all these thoughts into one area and having an open dialogue and it's much easier on them and you're going to get a whole lot better in response than just yelling and complaining. Yeah. And, like and the that. other side of it is like we were talking about earlier is that we're very limited to our size. You sure. know, we can't grow any more than that 200 square meters. And so the other way is for us to lower our costs. And the one way to lower our costs is, is to group together and get better wholesale costs. Uh -huh. So signing deals with specific suppliers when it comes to things like cocoa or nutrients or microbes or mm -hmm. uh, biologicals and getting wholesale rates uh, for our members or special discounts for our members. Um, and so that's the benefit of, of being part of the association. All right, we're coming up on another anniversary as far as legalization is concerned in, in October. What are you, what's your thoughts on you know, so far the, the process, not just from what, what you guys are doing, but just as a citizen of Canada. I'm cautiously optimistic about everything. Um, you know, I feel really grateful about being in Alberta where we really took the bull by the horns and, and pushed retail through. And that really helped, um, you know, a lot of producers. Um, I'm waiting to see what Ontario is going to do. Mm. I think, you know, and they messed it up. <laughs> they certainly did. And that's unfortunate for the uh, processors and for consumers, you know, um, just the reputation of legalization. Like there's a ton of countries eyeing us up and they're oh, looking at the biggest province saying, what are they doing? But what I, what I look at as being the first G7 country mm. to legalize cannabis is that we don't only like we got to stop looking at just it looking at it as a product um, because all of these countries are looking to us and we we have a lot of human capital now in the industry yeah. we have a lot of people who really understand regulation we have a lot of people who understand growing at scale and why aren't we building more of an industry to export some of that knowledge as well and bringing some of that money back right. into yeah, the canadian really coffers because i think um where we always fall down as Canadians is that we're always putting out our natural resources and we're not processing as much. Mm. And I, I think there, there is somewhere there that, um, that we could be increasing our GDP just with our, with our talent base. Sell that our we blueprint. Have. Exactly. Right. Like we, we're, we're basically putting the book together on, yep. you know, nobody's, uh, there's not uh, fires in the streets and, uh, people aren't uh, jumping off buildings and rioting because they smoked a joint. Like we're, we're proving that a, a whole country, uh, a G7 country can legalize. Oh, by the way, here's the book. This is how much it's going to cost. And, mm -hmm. you know, learn from us. You know, the, the, listen, I think Canada learned from what Denver did. I always use the uh, analogy that there's this giant cannabis balloon and you're just, they're just, Canada is just releasing a little bit at a time. I don't have kids, but I've seen my brother try to take a toy away from his kid when he was younger. You're giving a toy and taking it away, not that good. But if you give a little bit at a time, instead of just saying, do everything you want, and then now you can't do this. I know it was frustrating in the end, and for some people it's still frustrating, but it is a process. You can't you can't just say, hey, we're legalizing, and it's perfect from day one. Yeah, right? wasn't going to happen. It's got to be a process. and But I think as well is that um, we didn't include the original industry yeah, right. enough in, in that consultation. Um, I think... Um, 
a lot of people with a lot of money came in and made recommendations that really did hurt mm -hmm. the industry and hurt um, smaller growers and family operators. And all I've, that knowledge. I've, I realize that, you know, the intent is to stamp out the illicit market, um, but you can't dismiss or diminish the people that um, this, this industry was built on and who built it. And, you know, that makes it tough that there's still people in jail yeah. for cannabis uh, and, and that's wrong. Like to me, that's so viscerally wrong. And what, what, a, what better way to get rid of the illicit market than make them part of the legal market? Like that just seems like it was a no brainer. <laughs> and I'm not saying everybody, yeah. like, because there are people in the illicit market that you don't want in the, in the legal market, but there's, I think, a lot more people you do want. And, mm -hmm. and I know that's starting to change a little bit, but I think that was an oversight in the beginning. I think so. I think there were some people that pushed for it sure. to not happen as well. Sure. Yeah, well, there were some very interesting people that got suddenly thought cannabis was a good idea. Right. You know, yeah, they so, jumped on the money train yeah. and they sold a lot of stock promo. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think, looking forward now, I always like to find out what people think is the next big thing in cannabis. I mean, we both talked about Amsterdam. I would love to have sort of consumption cafes here. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to light up. But tourism. I, I, yeah. Like what tourism. Is, is tourism the big thing? I think tourism is going to be huge. Yeah. If you look at Denver, the amount of money that they've brought in with their tourism actually eclipses the amount that production has brought in. They have 420 tours where, you know, a party bus picks them up at the airport. Yeah. Um, they already got a selection of dabs and edibles and joints. Um, and then you get to tour around to different cultivation facilities, different retail stores and it's like a full 420 experience and um you know consumption lounges and all of that kind of stuff like resorts four, 420 airbnbs yeah. um hotels That's that right. allow for that kind of stuff spa experiences Ooh, especially like, we're talking about topicals and right? Things, right so i mean i want to be able to go to a spa and have a cannabis infused massage mm. you know and that's a tourism thing and it's also it's it, it's a recreational thing and it's also a medical thing yeah. um but i think you know we're really that's going to be like the next wave is kind of that those tertiary um, uh, industries yeah. uh, that kind of come off of the cultivation or the production side of things and and really like beef up the experience of cannabis. And I think Alberta is poised to yeah. be right on that. And uh, the AGLC is looking at it. I, I know they are. Uh, they don't want to get beat by Ontario no. or BC, so. Well, <laughs> how many times, I don't know, like I, I go to BC quite a bit. You can jump on a, a bus and you can go to different wineries. And I know we don't have, uh, what is it, farm to gate? To farm gate? Farm oh. sale or whatever. You can't buy from an LP, but wouldn't it be great to be able to, uh, you know, maybe there's a deal you go and you get a bit of a tour from an LP. I know it's very strict. You have to be careful, but some sort of that. And then you can go to a store and buy kind of what you saw or just some something yep. like that or listen i'll be honest uh when i do travel uh, i look at places like okay is this place cannabis friendly you know yeah. is this going to be a part of my thing and it and it's going to affect my travel we're even even looking at things like medical tourism you know where mm. people who are in countries where they you know they have a child with dravets or they they have uh, epilepsy or right. or cancer and cannabis is not legal in their country we we do have an unaccounted for medical tourism industry that we don't even see 
what it's generating right now and mm. we could be pushing that just like people go down and get dentistry down in mexico right. people could, could be prescription pills prescription pills yeah. people can be coming to canada to get their cannabis um and to be treating these kinds of things we can have holistic wellness centers and yeah. i know i'm kind of going into more of the medical realm but of that's things fine. Yeah. but i think i think you know there's there's this huge opportunity there and we are in a mega depression right now yeah. we're not just in a recession we've our economy has contracted and we need to start thinking creatively how are we going to diversify our economy and yeah. it's literally staring us yeah. right in the face well we saw the the the, the jump in retail 100 um, you know, people want their cannabis i mean there's american companies in the past have literally flown patients from the u.s into mexico because the prescription drugs are are like insurance companies have done that so it just it is a, it is something that you know in cannabis in general, you know people can talk about the the doomsday stock options and what startup didn't have a dip. I'll tell them and mm -hmm. let's just look at the look at the big picture about what this plant can bring and maybe that's happening somewhere. It hopefully. is. I think Canada just in our um, tongue and our conservatism. You know we're we're very. We're very much like we're not going to go jump right into doing something. Not the same way as you do in the U.S. Like the U.S. is very capital driven. You can buy so, CBD at a mall kiosk Exactly, in Vegas. but it's still not legal uh, federally. federally, federally. Yeah. So we still have this advantage mm -hmm. over the U.S. Because I can tell you right now, once they legalize it in the U.S., we're going to be eating their dust. Mm -hmm. and Some so people we, already think they're ahead of us. And we need to capitalize on our advantages right now. Yeah. And we're not, not economically. We yeah. put this file into Health Canada. They are doing a good job because their mandate is to protect health of and safety of Canadians. Great job. Okay. But now let's hand the file over to, you know, the finance yeah. side, let's the economic side. Let's make, we've, we've figured out how to do it safely. Great. Let's figure out how to blow it up and make it you know, really prosperous and really diversify our economy. Yeah, there's there's no reason Canada shouldn't be known as the 100%. Canada's cannabis capital of the world. Exactly. Kylie, we already this, were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much and uh, best of luck with everything at Parkland Flower. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was great. is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Once again, I learn so much uh, from the knowledge of others already in the industry. And that's a big part of this show. And it's a big part of the cannabis industry is uh, share your knowledge and pay it forward. By the way, check out One Hitters. Uh, later, or early next week, uh, featuring uh, Kylie as we get to know her cannabis history. And when we ask somebody uh, if they've ever been high with anybody famous, usually we don't get that great of an answer. Sometimes we do, but normally we don't. Mostly it's like, no, I haven't. Hers is, uh, it, it just blew me away. So you can find that uh, next week in full episodes at Cannabis101Podcast.ca, where you can also subscribe to the Weed Weekly and qualify for our Friday giveaway. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. 
David Wiley from the OZ joins us as usual. Check out the website, okanaganz.com. It is uh, new, it is beautiful, and it is uh, everything you need when it comes to cannabis news. Follow them on Twitter, at OkanaganZ and at Wiley Writer. How are things, David? Things are good, my friend. It's uh, getting to the fall time, and the fall is my favorite season. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. I got to head into the city of Edmonton tomorrow, and uh, you know, dry, we always try to drive through the River Valley when we do that because you know we're not quite there yet, but it is starting to turn, and uh, those colors uh, among the trees. Uh, it's hard to beat that view uh, for a drive, uh, especially. Um, let's uh, let's chat about uh, canopy growth, and you know we seem to talk about them a lot, and for good reason. They are in the news a lot. They are one of the busier uh, cannabis companies uh, out there, and uh, they are doing something that we both agree is going to move this cannabis industry forward. Uh, they're, they're normalizing. They're they're taking part in something that maybe is a first for cannabis companies? Well, Canopy Growth is certainly Canada's biggest cannabis company and uh, one of the biggest in the world. Arguably, it is the biggest in the world. And uh, yeah, they have done a lot to normalize this wonderful plant. They're going to be taking part in Barclays Global Consumer Staples Conference. That's coming up on uh, September 9th. If you, if you haven't heard of that conference, you could be forgiven. It's actually a forum for corporate executives and institutional investors to talk about market trends. And some of the biggest companies in the world present at this conference. So it's pretty cool what Canopy is doing. This is actually their third year participating. Mm. And they're the only cannabis company that's participated in this event to date. So they say that it merges perfectly because cannabis is ultimately consumer packaged goods industry. And that's what they talk about at this conference. Now, Canopy has been focusing its efforts on the U.S., uh, of course, as well as Canada and Germany also. So this is a chance for them to to shine in that global spotlight. Um, I reached out to Canopy to talk a little bit about what they were going to be you know, presenting. And uh, they said that the CBD market in the U.S. is an extremely attractive space and very much in need of a clear leader right now. So from a consumer standpoint, the CBD market, they say, feels pretty cluttered and confusing. A lot of Americans have heard of CBD, um, but they're you know, not really able to name any brands because there's not, a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of knowledge about them right now. So that's pretty fascinating. They're starting to step up their activities in the U.S., um, trying, to, to, trying to drive that uh, awareness. They've launched a website, shopcanopy.com where they're featuring a lot of different products. Uh, and that includes some of their some of their fairly well-known brands, BioSteel that we've talked about before, and uh, Stores and Bickle as well. So this is really interesting. If you want to watch, it does stream live um, through canopygrowth.com on their investor site. Yeah, they are, uh, they're always moving and shaking and uh, they are, they have very much ties, as you mentioned, to that U.S. market, particularly when it comes to that BioSteel drink. There's a lot of rumblings about how big that could get uh, as far as uh, yeah. the uh, the CBD market. Now, Canopy closer to home, uh, I guess for me at least anyway, uh, they are <laughs> expanding their footprint in Alberta. Ten new stores in Alberta. So those stores are going to fly the Tokyo Smoke and Tweed banners. And that's the first retail cannabis presence in your province over there. They don't have any presence in BC as of yet. 
but they do have stores in uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan uh, in the West, and they also have stores elsewhere in the country. Uh, so most of these new stores are in Calgary. There's others that are going to be in uh, Lethbridge and Edmonton, for example. Um, and, you know, a big deal here is that they're going to be creating more than 100 jobs in the Alberta market. And that's a big deal right now. Um, you bring in more jobs, and especially at a time where you know, we have been seeing this downturn. And uh, in some sectors, employment is pretty hard to come by. So there's an opportunity out there for those who want to work in cannabis. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, a you know a tweed store opening up on White Ave in Edmonton, which is uh, a very trendy part of uh, you know the the city and very popular. So I'm sure that store is going to be busy. And uh, they're opening a Tokyo Smoke and Spruce Grove, which is uh, uh, just a, a bedroom community of Edmonton, just outside. A sizable market though, and. Uh, I haven't been to a tweed store. Every time I've tried to go to a tweed store, they weren't open yet, so they had plans to open. But I have been in a Tokyo Smoke in uh, in Winnipeg, and I'll just say I found the the knowledge and the way it was presented and their layout amazing. I, I was really impressed. Uh, you know, they have information all over the place, so that if one area is busy with a, a, a bud tender, you can go to another area and find the same information. And the knowledge was great. So looking forward to these stores. And and as you mentioned, um, it's more jobs. It's more competition for the other stores. So it also makes them work a little bit harder for your business. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, like you said, Canopy is really great on that educational side of things. Um, and this is going to bring their stores up to a total of 50 across the country. And they have more planned. So lots of, lots of competition, lots of brick and mortar. And that's something that uh, we've talked about is going to advance the cannabis industry. No doubt. All right. Our next story, uh, this is from uh, a Bloomberg article. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why uh, these cannabis retails retailers should have to do this. This should have been done on its own. But there are retail outlets asking the RCMP for help. A group of legal cannabis retailers, there's about eight of them, and they're asking the RCMP to look into illegal dispensaries that are being listed on weed maps. So that's an online portal that shares locations, menus, and prices. A lot of different stores on there. Now, just a quick check in my area shows that there's all kinds of stores listed that, uh, that you know, really shouldn't be. So this letter is co-signed by the, the heads of these companies that include High Tide and Superette. And uh, WeedMap actually announced last August that they were going to delist illicit stores later in 2019. Obviously, that hasn't happened. And the letter that uh, has been sent to the RCMP's commissioner and deputy commissioner says that uh, in view of Weedmap's unwillingness to delist illicit market services in Canada and to stop profiting from the proceeds of crimes committed in Canada, we ask that you direct your appropriate investigative units to immediately look into what enforcement action can be taken against Weedmap's Canadian operations. So uh, them be fighting words. I don't know why, as I said, they need to do this. This, And I don't know why and how these illicit websites or pop-up stores or whatever they're called can exist. It's it's mind-boggling that, you know, we're coming up on another anniversary of legalization and there's still these popping up. Now, maybe it's way harder to shut them down than I think, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of effort being put in to shut these down. I mean, they've got thousands of illicit cannabis stores listed across the country, uh, according to this letter. 
And, you know, we've seen this. Licenses to open up a legal store, they cost money. And uh, also, when it comes to a safety standpoint, stores that are, aren't selling uh, regulated products, I mean, who knows how they've been made? And uh, that's a point that's been put across a few times now, especially when you're talking about concentrates, um, vapes, and, you know, the like. It's actually quite a challenging process to make that safely. So, uh, you know, the legal stores at least have a product that you can uh, generally count on. No doubt. Uh, So we go from a story about uh, illicit cannabis sites or stores, you know, running free across the country uh, to a guy in Manitoba who just wants to grow pot at home like everybody else is allowed to, if, unless you're in Manitoba or Quebec. Uh, and Jesse Lavoie, or Lavoie, I believe it is. And I've actually reached out to him to try to get him on the show because, you know, this makes me sad about my home province that they're still not allowing people to grow. But this is a gentleman who's challenging that. I love that. I love that. A guy in Manitoba. That's uh, exactly what this seems like. And it's just a downright letter penny in its, uh, in its folksy way. So here's a 28-year-old Manitoban uh, that just wants to grow his own, his own weed. Um, you know, the federal government legalized growing up the four recreational cannabis plants on his property back uh, in, in October 2018 uh, now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it's something that Manitoba and Quebec just bucked against. They decided not to follow it, and instead they prohibited people from growing their own plants. And Manitoba even took it one step further with a $2,542 fine for those who were caught growing. Now, in some, September 2019, a Quebec Superior Court judge actually ruled the ban unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So now Manitoba is the only province that's, uh, that's gone unchallenged on this front. So this uh, gentleman is uh, he's kind of an interesting guy, you know. He he's uh, been in the been in the, the army reserve, and uh, he was working at a correctional institution in Winnipeg when he actually uh, was on the receiving end of a pretty violent scuffle, and uh, and left that uh, industry to recover, and ended up in the legal cannabis industry. And, uh, well, his current employer, he says, isn't involved in this fight. This is a personal fight. Um, you know, for him, he's just grown attached to the industry overall and wants to see this change. So as we do in these days, he set up a GoFundMe page, and the goal is uh, $80,000. All of the funds that he raises, he says, are going to go into the constitutional challenge. And anything left over would go to towards a number of different charities that he has listed. And he's almost hit $7,000 so far. The campaign's pretty young, so there seems to be quite a bit of support that's building behind him. This is, uh, this is just, uh, I, I'm so impressed by this gentleman that's, uh, that's doing this. And, and as you mentioned, he suffered a violent injury and cannabis, and, and he looked in a different direction. And the, the, uh, what I really like is how he points out about uh, okay so one cannabis plant can uh take approximately three to four months to grow can yield upwards of 100 grams well that's a lot of cannabis for people that maybe not be able to afford the prices at a retail outlet so bravo on this guy and uh, you know hopefully uh, the same thing that happened in quebec happens here and manitobans should be able to grow it's ludicrous 
that you're taking away the ability for somebody to provide themselves something of a cheaper option that is legal. Mm-hmm, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them in this challenge. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. We do. A lot of these themes seem to repeat. The laws at the moment aren't perfect, um, but it's people like this that are helping to make the changes that we really need to see. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's end with the story we hope all uh, happens. Well, you and I, and, and a lot of Canadians, though, because we're talking about uh, marijuana being federal, federally legal in the United States and an upcoming vote to determine, well, at least part of that process anyway. It's a little bit confusing with American politics. It sure is, but it, it seems to be moving in the right direction. So later this month, there's going to be a congressional vote on a bill to federally legalize cannabis. Uh, vote on the bill called the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, otherwise known as the MORE Act. So that's expected to happen during the week of September 21st. I mean, just down the road. Uh, in a letter to his colleagues, the Democratic Majority Leader said that the MORE Act is an important step to correct the disproportionate impact that the criminal justice system has had on communities of color. And that is a big deal. There are a lot of people in jail in the U.S. Um, due to just small cannabis crimes. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about how this kind of bill would have a, a negative impact on the U.S. economy because of the amount of uh, the importance to the economy that the prison system has. Hmm. So. You know, think about that. Wow. The fact that, that the war on drugs in the U.S. has been fueling a sector of the economy, the prison system, uh, and that seems to be one of the big reasons why it's facing uh, some challenge, uh, at least, you know, the unsaid reasons. So this, is, uh, this bill is going to help restore justice to millions uh, by decriminalizing cannabis and expunging records of nonviolent federal cannabis convictions. So says the uh, Democratic majority leader in his letter. Um, It's got an interesting road to go through. So basically, if the House approves the bill, uh, there's going to be, uh, it will have to go into the Senate. And the Senate's Republican-controlled, so it does have to go up to that next level of government for a cent. And uh, it would have to go through a committee process. And complicating matters to this is that the, the, the sponsoring, the lead Senate sponsor of the MORE Act is uh, none other than the Democratic VP nominee, Kamala Harris. Mm. So if this bill does uh, wind up on President Donald Trump's desk, it would actually mean crediting a political rival. So, you know, there's, there are shades of gray around this bill, and uh, it, it's a bit of political drama that's playing out right now across the border. It's uh, it's it's it, it's always political drama with the the uh, the current president, and it's always personal, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, you know, there's a really really good documentary on Netflix called I think it's called Thirteenth uh, uh, regarding uh, prison systems and uh, the the disproportionate amount of black people in those U.S. prison systems. But they have this stat from that documentary. I recently watched it that the United States of America has five percent of the world's population. 
The United States of America has 25% of the world's prison population. Wow. How crazy is that? And that just, you know, goes to, to state what you were saying before about, you know, they're worried about people getting out of prison. And, and, you know, that is a big generator of the economy and private prisons don't even get me started on that situation. So, uh, listen, whether, you know, th- th- that's the unfortunate thing is that the Democrats can agree on this, but they need help from the other side. And there doesn't seem to be help from either side for anything going on right now. So I hope this happens because... This, this would just make life uh, a whole lot, like just for the simplest things, using a, an app on your iPhone would be possible if cannabis was federally legal, hmm. but it's not right now because, uh, and, and you can't use those things. So for my volcano, I can't use the actual app. So those are the little things that would make life easier, much less the fact that, you know, traveling and, and doing all these things and, and just generally good things for people every day in the United States. But from a Canadian perspective, you know, we want, at least I do, I want federally legalization uh, just as much as I wanted it here. Yeah, absolutely. For our friends in the U.S., you know, we just want to see them to enjoy the the wonderful freedoms that we have here in Canada when it comes to cannabis. And uh, my fingers are crossed that that's going to happen in the future. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the, uh, the CBD market down there, um, it's wide open right now. And, and like we talked about before, uh, people don't know a lot about brands, but with a new federal, uh, market, I think you would start to see the, the industry. Well, I think it would grow even more than it did, uh, here in Canada for these first couple of years, but that's a few months that we still have to, uh, <laughs> wait for, and we'll cross our fingers for that. David, thank you as uh, usual. Uh, for joining us on the program check out okanaganz.com and on twitter at okanaganz and at wiley writer enjoy uh the beginning of the fall you too great to talk to you this is the cannabis 101 podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. By the way, the Cannabis and Hemp Expo that was uh, supposed to be happening, uh, first of all, last April, didn't happen. Then it was going to happen this October. Uh, It's been postponed again. It will take place in late April at the Edmonton Expo Center. I just uh, actually received an email from somebody that said they were looking forward to coming down and uh, saying hi because we will be there uh, on location uh, putting together some episodes. You can find more information at CannabisHempExpo.com and uh, when they do get this event going, we will be there and we will have some tickets to give away. So keep it locked on here to win your way into that event. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your soda. <laughs> and beyond. It's a blue. Be careful with that, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> So we're going with a uh, cannabis character uh, from the movie 
Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. It's Sam McPherson, uh, played by Tim Meadows. This is a, a parody on the Johnny Cash movie where Joaquin Phoenix played Cash. And the scene we're going to play for you in uh, Walk Hard has Dewey Cox finding out about marijuana for the first time after walking in on his uh, drummer Sam McPherson, played by Tim Meadows. Uh, like the scene in the Cash movie where Johnny sees heroin for the first time, but this one is... Uh, much funnier and uh, with a uh, better outcome. Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. You're smoking reefers? Yeah, of course we are. Can't you smell it? No, Sam. I can't. Come on, Dewey. Join the party. No, Dewey. You don't want this. Get out of here. You know what? I don't want no hangover. I can't get no hangover. It doesn't give you a hangover. Well, I get addicted to it or something? It's not habit-forming. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't want to overdose on it. You can't OD on it. It's not going to make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex even better. Sounds kind of expensive. It's the cheapest drug there is. You don't want it. I think I kind of want it. Okay, but just this once. Come on in. Such a good, you know, like that should just be like a, an advertisement for marijuana everywhere. Aside from the part about calling it a drug. Um, but it's just, it just illustrates all the, and it's just so funny, all the great things about marijuana and all the things it doesn't do negatively. Uh, to you. So I've long time uh, been a uh, Tim Meadows fan from his days at Saturday Night Live to the Ladies Man movie. Uh, he's been in uh, a bunch of other stuff. He's a funny dude. I wish he was actually uh, in more. And of course, John C. Riley, um, who played Dewey Cox. So Sam McPherson, played by Tim Meadows in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, is our cannabis character today. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. Our educator, Chris Ionson, and the manager of the Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave location in Edmonton joining us as usual. Thanks for coming out, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. It's a pleasure to have you back out, and I'm really looking forward to uh, the strain uh, that I grabbed this week using the click and collect method, uh, in and out, fast for the customer, safer for you and them, and it allows you guys to uh, really plan ahead. Uh, you never you never know when five people are going to walk in the door. Well, if three of them have ordered ahead, makes life a lot easier on you, I'm sure. Yeah, very very much, Dean, uh, for sure. It's uh, yeah, we're just trying to limit the time spent in store with what's going on with COVID right now, and uh, also too, we're allowing people to shop our menu from home. You can see everything that we got in stock, so yeah. it's a great way to shop. No more driving from store to store. You can uh, just head to the Leafly site and uh, find your Nova Cannabis store. Pick your strain, order it, click and collect. Uh, so that's what I did to pick up cake uh, from Hybrid. And uh, man, I had expectations of some of the other type of cakes uh, that are out there. And this is a little different one. We will definitely tell yeah. you that. So this is from Habitat Craft Cannabis, and it's a hybrid. 
uh, and they received their LP certification uh, a year ago this month. So tell us about them. Yeah, definitely. So um, the company is a, a brainchild of, of CEO Rudy Shebel and Master Grower Lane Keys. Uh, these two guys met playing hockey in the, the junior leagues of Western Canada. Uh, both suffered career-ending injuries on the ice uh, and partnered up in 2017 to build the Turtle Valley Bison Ranch. And it was a bison ranch that focused on raising proteins responsibly. Uh, once cannabis became legal in Canada in 2018, the pair began to dream about bringing their philosophy of sustainable protein and regenerative, regenerative agriculture together with the spirit of British Columbia, local salmon, and BC bud. Hmm. Yeah. This is uh, very impressive. Uh, now, uh, they are in microcultivation. Um, what's microcultivation? Yeah, so they're you know they're like a, a smaller a smaller scale grower uh, for sure, uh, and and their their focus is on regenerative agriculture and sustainable protein, like I'd mentioned. Um, they have uh, they operate out of this. It's a first of its kind uh, facility. It's an aquaponics facility. And uh, that's that Turtle Valley uh, Bison mm. Ranch we spoke about. Uh, and, and in this facility, um, they're growing organic cannabis and uh, they're also breeding organic coho salmon. And uh, they received their organic certification for both uh, cannabis and salmon in December of 2019. Wow, this is so cool. Um, I've talked to a few people uh, that have uh, been involved with the aquaponics. Uh, it's one thing we talked about just last week in the business of cannabis. So. Uh, for the new listeners or people that are new to cannabis, what is aquaponics? Absolutely, Dean. So aquaponics is a, is a system of agriculture in which the waste produced by farmed fish, in this case, coho salmon, uh, supplies the nutrients for the plants grown hydroponically. So the idea is they've got these kind of, you know, larger tubs that, that are full of water mm -hmm. and there's water kind of cycling through it on a hydro system. But in that water, uh, they're also breeding coho salmon that are kind of swimming in with the roots of their cannabis. And um, those salmon are producing natural waste, mm -hmm. which uh, serves as a real excellent uh, nutrient for the for the plants. And uh, yeah, it just produces a really high quality stuff. Yeah, it's such a great cycle. Uh, it's great for places that have food insecurity because you're uh, producing fish and, and food for those people. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of other things you can do as well. The, the the water is recycled and reused and you're creating great cannabis. It's such a, a great system. I really hope we see a whole lot more of this type of setup popping up um, as we go on. And, and these guys have a wide variety of cultivars, which is kind of another word right now people are using for strains yeah uh, kind of in the bank yeah that's right dean uh so yeah they they've got um their master grower lane keys uh he's developed over 180 different cultivars or, or strains cultivars uh, uh and they over he, he oversees their grow operation too um so he, this guy's kind of their their cannabis expert yeah. you know he, they're in-house and a uh, cool story about uh, about lane is is 10 years ago his mom who was an mmar grower uh, she gave him a tin of seeds to plant down by the creek that runs through their family farm. And it wasn't the first time that he had helped kind of plant cannabis. He'd been helping mom for a little bit, but it was the first time that he was made responsible for a crop. And uh, I feel like it kind of, you know, the rest is history. Like mm -hmm. uh, after, you know, doing that on his own, I'm sure he did a great job with it. Uh, and now he's, you know, found his career and his calling. So way to go, mom. Yeah, so awesome. Way to start him on a beautiful path that he can teach others uh, along the way. And, and that's the great and kind of strange thing is that some of the best 
um, the most knowledgeable guys that are going to pass on their information to help legalization learned it in the illicit market, right? I these know, guys, yeah. and this is a great way to bridge those two markets. So these, sure. these guys are on the right path. They're, they're, they're committed to more than just great cannabis. They're committed to uh, being environmentally friendly and producing not just good cannabis, but good, good food supply for people. Yeah, that's right, Dean. Uh, like kind of in essence, their, their, their mission is simple. It's they, they want to cultivate cannabis that is high quality, great for the planet and mm -hmm. economically viable. So um, yeah, great message from them. Um, so far, super pleased with, you know, everything that I've come across with Habitat Craft Cannabis. I think they're doing it right. All right. So let's talk about the history of cake, uh, which is, as we mentioned, a, uh, a hybrid. Uh, this is a kind of a, an exotic uh, a lineage and strain when it comes to cannabis, isn't it? It, it sure is, Dean. Uh, now, not to be confused with like the cake strains that we all kind mm -hmm. of are familiar with, like the, the wedding cake or the it's ice cream. It's the first cream. thing you think of when you see cake, right? That's that's totally what I thought uh, when I kind of first looked into it. But uh, this is a whole new kind of cake, and it's uh, it was actually created by Lane Keys. Uh, you know, it's, it's his his brainchild and the genetics that were used in it. Uh, it's a cross of two really cool strains. So it's a dosi dose mm -hmm. uh, crossed with Mandarin Sunset. And uh, the cool thing about dosi dose is it's a, it's an OG Kush breath crossed with a face off OG. <laughs> so uh, real two real kind of classic OG uh, strains in there. Uh, and then the Mandarin Sunset is is orange velvet crossed with hairy wana. Uh, so Instead of marijuana, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I've never heard of that strain, marijuana. I hadn't until this, uh, <laughs> until until cake. So, that's awesome. yeah, it's a new one for me too. Um, it's uh, definitely a hybrid, uh, and my take on it, uh, you know, I couldn't find this information, but I felt like it was like a fifty-five sativa, forty-five indica, okay. just a slight edge just on a slight bit on uh, a little bit more uplifting. But I still felt, you know, real nice with the indica side of things too. All right. I like that. Uh, we are looking at a THC percentage of 21.6%. And uh, you can find some more information about this at habitat.life. Really calming right off the bat. As soon as you open up the website, uh, there was like a, it was just all water. Even at the age gate, it was water. I'm like, wow, I'm yeah. instantly calm putting in my information. And then I thought there was some really cool videos that we saw as you're kind of scrolling through. So very relaxed, um, you know, much like I picture a, an organic uh, cannabis small company being. Yeah, absolutely, Dean. Um, I think, too, the information they've got on there is sure. great. All their graphs, too, when they're explaining their aquaponics was really neat to see. Yeah, they really put it out there. I really love how they have the terpene percentage. And, yeah. you know, some of these are really heavy. Can you just explain, uh, we, we hear THC percentage. Somebody says terpene percentage. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, for sure. So that's, uh, you know, um, terpene percentages can range from, you know, anywhere from like 0.1 of, mm. all the way up to, I'm sure it can get pretty dang high. Uh, I feel like I've seen like some 6%. Yeah, well, they have a 2 to a 5% uh, uh, for right. their caviar. On their caviar, up. yeah. So, I mean, with that, um, Typically a lot of like, I guess your average run of the mill cannabis. I mean, you're going to see maybe 0.3 to 0.5% terpene content. Um, with all the habitat stuff, it's, it's, you know, two to three or three to five. Mm. Like it's, it's beefy. Strong smelling tasting. I think, yeah, it's yeah. loud. It's a, yeah. like a loud yeah, like kind of yeah, yeah. loud terp. Yeah, when you open it up, it's, it's screaming at you with its smell. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. uh, that's something to, to look for. I hope that more licensed producers are going to be sharing that information with us. For sure. Uh, what's in a name when we're talking about cake? 
So the name Cake, uh, it stems from its impressive trichome profile, uh, which pays homage to Habitat's founder and genetic specialist, Lane Keyes, who described this cultivar profile at, at harvest as caked. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. He, he it ain't is. lying. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, that's the one thing. I mean, if you look at the buds, uh, it, it, it shines like a diamond. There's just crystals all over it. So uh, very cakey. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, really amazing when you look at it and, and let's talk about the look then comes yeah. in a glass jar, which is great. I think, uh, you know, I, uh, when I get cannabis, I transfer it to Mason jars, right. Yeah. When I, instead of the plastic tubs, well, this stuff, I didn't have to, yeah. <laughs> it are, it's already there. It's done. Yeah. Um, you probably could downsize a little bit. I don't know what the, 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 the yeah. jar situation is. Seems might be a, a little seems, bit extra room. Seems in there. a little big. Like I, I think you might be able to fit a seven gram in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say it's high end though. Like it's one of the like nicer glass packages that we've yeah. had. It's tinted. It's, yeah, it just it, it just feels real sturdy and nice. Yeah. So tinted. It's it's perfect uh, for for. I I would highly recommend people reusing this. Yeah. To store their cannabis in. No doubt. Yeah. And, for and, sure. You know that's obviously better for the environment. Now. When we open it up and you look at it, man, it, like, yeah. it's it's impossible not to notice the trichome coverage. Yeah, man, I, it's very cakey uh, for sure. It's loaded up with trichomes. Uh, the people at Habitat they did a really good trim job on on the stuff that uh, uh, that we've got here. Um, Color wise, it's you know light green buds, and the buds almost have like a white tint to mm-hmm. them, and that's that's due to all the trichomes. So, um, and definitely when you grind it up too, it's it's got a real nice light color yeah, to it, real fluffy too. Yeah, and then we've also got some some nice you know predominant uh, dark orange pistols there that uh, just pop right out of the bud. Yeah, if you can get your hands on this and get your hands, you have some little magnifying glass yeah. that we use. When you get really up close, you see how. For me, anyway, you've seen this lots before, but every time I look at it, I'm like thinking like like an, it looks alien. It's, yeah. It looks spiny and hairy. It just when you get up close and on a good trichome yeah. covered bud, it's amazing what you can see. And I would highly recommend getting up close with this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think to any of our listeners that are you know super curious, super passionate about cannabis, get it. Get a magnifying glass yeah. with you know a little light on it and and take a look at your bud right down to like at, at that microscopic level there. And you can see, uh, the pistol formation. And, um, I thought that, uh, the cake looked really spiny. Like mm-hmm. there was some long trichomes just sticking out of the bud with, you know, a little goop end on it. And <laughs> it looked great. Just pure goodness. Yeah. Okay. We mentioned the terpene percentage. What's the terpene profile? So the profile, uh, the dominant terpene is, is limonene. And so that's going to be like citrus and kind of fruity. Uh, next up, we've got the caryophylline, Dean's favorite. And that's going to be kind of uh, spice and black pepper. Uh, we've also got myrcenes mm-hmm. in here too. And that's kind of earthy and kind of clove flavor. And then um, the last one mentioned is, is linalool. And that's kind of floral and, and lavender. Yeah. And it's interesting, two terpenes in here in, in myrcene and limonene that Typically, you know, people think myrcene and they're like, oh, that's couch lock. I'm going to get really tired. And th- they think limonene and, oh, I'm going to be bouncing off the walls. And we're talking about almost like a 55-45 split here. Yeah. And so it's it's, in, it's so interesting how terpenes work together and, you know, maybe create something different than what they're maybe known for. Yeah. And that's the entourage effect. Yeah, so. totally, man. It's It all kind of factors into... You know, the uh, amount of terpenes that are in there, also the person smoking it too. I mean, you and I could, you know, pop on the same kind of bud and we could have different experiences. So everyone, everyone does experience cannabis differently. Yeah. And, but that's the great thing is then you can fine tune how you react with, 
you know, a certain terpene profile or a certain cannabinoid profile, whether yeah. it's CBG and different things. It's the, it's the beautiful thing about experimenting once you kind of get a handle on your cannabis. So let's talk about the desired effect. As we mentioned, everybody's different, but what was your, de- what was your reaction with this? Yeah. So my take, uh, first off, it was a real nice, clear headed high. That was, uh, got to talk about that. I just felt, um, yeah, just real nice focus. Um, the effects came on quick, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a creeper this last time. Last week we had the creeper. Yeah, last week we had the creeper. This one is definitely like, uh, you know, halfway through the joint, I was starting to kind of feel real good and feel my mood kind of elevating. I, you know what? I, I, I don't mind the creepers, but there's just something I love about when you just realize it's kicking in. Yeah, yeah, it's like, a good feeling, man. There's just that moment it's like, all right. Okay, yeah. You know? <laughs> totally, man. Um, I definitely found it was a really good mix of head and body euphoric waves. Uh, definitely put me in a great mood. I was, uh, you know, the multiple times that I, that I was hated, I just, I, I was alone, uh, but I found myself just kind of, you know, singing and dancing mm-hmm. while I was cleaning the house or watching show. Just real good mood. Real I think nice. that's, you, you hit on something I think it's important. Clear headed high. Uh, there, there's the impression out there that if you smoke weed, you're just, you're going to forget everything yeah. and you're, you know, you're not, you're not thinking, you're not having a conversation. There are strains of cannabis, like we're talking about that put you laser focus yeah. into something. Yeah, totally. So, uh, I, I feel like real Bravo from Edison. Totally. Is that, that one for me is like laser focused too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's neat that that's, you know, available. Yeah, for exactly. All right. The three W's who, what, and when is this good for? So who it's good for? Intermediate smokers, uh, not for beginners. This is definitely a level two strain with it being 21% THC. Uh, So if you're new to cannabis, don't jump into some cake. I think it won't be the best idea. Uh, It's one you want to build up to. Uh, I also think it's good for anyone looking for a fun escape from reality. Uh, If you're, you know, you had a long day at work, cake would be really nice for that. Um, What it's good for. Uh, I, I said it's good for life, uh, just in general. I, I, I felt like this strain was just great for almost anything. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it from, you know, getting my chill on on the couch uh, to I went for a run on this stuff too. I was active with it. Um, I thought it was really nice for Netflix too, just, you know. So I think it's it's definitely a good for life just for, you know, you name it, try it out. I think it's, it's a pretty good strain for, for that. And then this kind of leads into when it's good for, I think it's a good for any time of day. I think it's a pretty versatile strain. Um, yeah, I've had it to start my day and I've had it to end my day and, and both worked out really well. So you don't think this is, um, gonna create any kind of, uh, too many thought bubbles before bed or anything like that. You're kind of laser focused, but yeah. it's not scatterbrained. Yeah. Thing, it, things like that. Yes, Dean, it, very much. Uh, you know, it might be good to you know, have a little bit of this, start reading a book before you go to bed and yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. I think so. Like, uh, I, I had a, a hoot of it, um, a couple of days ago, um, pretty much like, right. It's like, that was my last thing before crawling mm. into bed. Uh, but I still had, I ended up having a great sleep. Uh, maybe I was pooped that day, but I, I, I don't think it was, it's too buzzy of a, Perfect, of a yeah. strain. Yeah. All right. So taste test. What yeah. are we looking at? So with the taste, I don't know. It's it tastes nice. This is really good craft cannabis. Uh, I thought it tasted amazing. It was kind of sweet and fruity off the hop, almost the tropical fruit in there, uh, and then mixed in with some like fresh baking or, or fresh baked cookies, and definitely like a hint of spice and, and flowers too on the exhale. Yeah, definitely. I got the floral on the exhale. I really like how you describe the uh, the cookies because it yeah. reminds me of. 
you know, my mom or when Trish does it now, you know, uh, chocolate chip cookies or like chocolate chip muffins or something yeah. like that. Not not necessarily the chocolate chip. That's just what they make. But just anything you you smell coming out of that oven kind yeah. of has that taste to it. Yeah, it's kind of that. If like, that makes sense. You you can smell it. You can taste the smell. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. It's kind of that that thick like, confectionary yeah. smell where it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. You know, it's just come out of the, you know the kitchen. It's fresh baked. Yeah, it's definitely nice for sure. Um, yeah, sweet, smooth too. I, that was that was a big one for me. Uh, I was consuming uh, my my cake with with doobies as I normally do, and. Uh, I found that they were, you know, it was a smooth smoke, even like down to the, the very end of it, right. which was nice. So, um, yeah, big fan on the taste. So the last little bit, we usually chat about something that you can pick up using click and collect, and there's all sorts of great things that you can do to save time for the customer and the bud tender. But, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, a very important man in cannabis and the battle he's in right now. And seems to be some good news. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, just recently, uh, the cannabis world got some some scary news. Uh, Aryan Roskam, uh, the king of cannabis, the creator of the Strain Hunters television series, the founder of Greenhouse Coffee Shops and Greenhouse Seed Company, uh, just a straight legend in the cannabis industry. Uh, he recently, uh, on his Instagram page, he announced to his followers that he had contracted COVID-19. So super tragic. Um, he's been updating his followers daily with videos, kind of telling everyone how he's doing. I uh, even showed a video of like all the different medications that he was taking. There's a lot of a lot of cannabis and CBD products in there, sure. which is cool. Um, yeah, and it's you know he's been bedridden and in, in rather rough shape. But uh, just today uh, we saw a video that he's kind of on the on the up and up and on the recovery side of things. Uh, he went for a 4K run yesterday and and posted a video right after the run good stuff letting people know that he he is feeling better so uh there's been an abundance of well wishes from the online community and uh, and and we, we'd also like to you know wish him some good vibes and and all the best in in you know kicking covid to the curb mm -hmm. i i mean it's uh it's a brutal thing so stay safe king of cannabis yeah well said uh and uh and and great to see that uh, he knows uh, to use cannabis and CBD as part of his recovery. Let the plant help yeah. heal you. All right. So uh, best wishes out to the king of cannabis and big thanks to uh, Habitat Craft Cannabis uh, for cake, a hybrid strain that uh, I highly recommend. Chris, thanks as always for coming out. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dean. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Pleased as always to be joined by Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. Check out www.greengencompany.com and find out how Melka can help you. And we always start off with a bit of a, a harder hitting topic. And uh, uh, you're this is uh, this is one that I'm just gonna let you go with because uh, I can tell by reading the notes you're fired up about this. But we're, we're talking stocks, particularly Canadian cannabis stocks, from a U.S. perspective. 
Yeah, thanks, Dean, again, for having me on the show. Um, I love conversing with you, especially because we sort of have that Canadian perspective. What I don't like is Americans who think that they know what's going on in Canada. And this is an American stock analyst who's actually pretty well-tuted. Um, it's Alan Brockstein is his name. And my my statement about him and the, the topic is that, you know, American stock analysts won't put their money where their mouth is. They think they know everything about Canadian cannabis stocks. And and this is the, what I'm talking about with Alan Brockstein. So he um, has his own like line of investment advising around stocks. Um, he's always sort of been in that space, but he chose the Canadian or sorry, the cannabis space Several years ago, I would say like 2014, he sort of jumped into specifically only cannabis stocks in Canada and worldwide, but mostly Canadian and US. So he has these two platforms, the 420 Investor or the 420i is one portfolio. And then he has New Cannabis Ventures, which is like a newsletter type conversation. And I've been following his analysis on the stock markets in Canada and the US since 2016, because he was really the only person that had real credible information from a business perspective that was, I thought, was like sort of a higher level analysis. And I've actually spoken to him a number of times um, and given an opportunity to, to weigh in and have a Canadian perspective on his American-Canadian perspective. Um, and I've actually also uh, invited him to look at like private companies because as we're seeing now, there's a lot more interesting stuff going on with private companies, ones that are not publicly traded. He's declined on all of those things. But yesterday I tuned into a podcast I regularly listen to, which is the Canadian or sorry, the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. It was episode number 56. And and that gentleman, I can't remember what the host name is, but they were referring to um, Alan Brockstein as the maven. And, and he's from Texas. Um, I don't think he's ever set foot on Canadian soil or he's never spoken about that. But in this particular podcast, he definitely takes a dump all over the Canadian cannabis industry. And um, and really, he states that his only sources of doing his analysis are press releases and news articles. Yeah, that, you know, and, and listen, um, it, it's easy to cherry pick different things when you're so far away and you're getting fed uh um, you know, you know whether you want to call it a, a a pro or propaganda press release or whatever it might be, but you know, you know what? Why is this? Why is there such a maybe a following for a person that seems to be disconnected from what he's covering? Well, I mean, it's kind of. I think it has to do with sort of that money mentality. I mean, if you listen to analysts anywhere, um, they talk about their fundamentals and sort of their their, I mean, say their basic, um, their process for determining how they choose and evaluate uh, stock information. Um, I don't happen to think that any analyst knows what they're talking about. That's my own personal slant. And and they literally, you know, if you want to do a real analysis on this, you can look back, like you can take any analysis, uh, stock analysts, what they say and what they, you know, recommend or what they, you know, predict. And then like, backtrack it and see were they right and and pretty much like from what i've seen you can come up with a 50 50 coin toss for pretty much everything that they've ever said so i mean that's why people like warren buffett you know stand out and people that have been around for a lot of years and and what this has to come down to is that you know this particular gentleman makes money off of his his portfolio recommendations so he has a platform where you can buy and subscribe to what he's predicting or what he's telling you to invest in but he doesn't have any money in those stocks. 
Now, partly that could be because he's American and there are the financial restrictions around that. But I don't think that's the reason because that doesn't really restrict him from anything. He can still publicly trade stocks on different exchanges. So, yeah, so basically his his investment portfolio, which he doesn't have any money in, it's a model portfolio. He's been tracking stocks since legalization for about two years. And and my my you know the stocks have been happening in Canada for longer than that. I mean the initial stock and IPOs were you know even two years prior to legalization. Anyway, so he basically what he's saying is he's not wasting his time on Canadian cannabis stocks anymore, um, and he like doesn't even want to talk about it. And 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 I don't know maybe it's as his way of being like oh you know like this is maybe pay attention or something, but. Basically, he cites two things or two major reasons, which are, you know, well understood in Canada. And one of them is that all cannabis products are duking it out for the same shelf space. So in Canada, we know that the retail network is the only way to buy products. So that's kind of an obvious, right? Um, The second one is his version of what, you know, I've talked about before is the pot apocalypse, which he didn't come up with that term that came was coined by another actually marketing advertising person, Owen Reader. But he's, his version is that he sees the, the, the 55 or so public, publicly traded cannabis, Canadian cannabis companies, he thinks 30 of them will go private or bankrupt in the next coming months or you know, a couple of years. And we're already seeing this happen. So it's not like it was like this whole massive like revelation, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean is that his predictions are like, well, yeah, they're like, duh. <laughs> you know, that's what I, so I was like, that's, that's why my sort of bone to pick on that. But the other thing, you know, and this is actually the part that we do we do agree on, is that, um, you know, recently I put a post out on LinkedIn talking about, you know, cannabis in this pandemic time that we're in is a key to economic driving um, for employment and reducing budget deficits in the pandemic. Like, if you look at, you know, economic policy and government policy around, you know, how to deal with all this, you know, lack of people without jobs or losing their sources of income we were looking at the cannabis industry as like this bright spot, you know, here's this industry that's massively growing. There's a huge demand for the products um, and the services and everything related to it. And it's an essential service. So that's an area where the growth in cannabis and legal with legalization and within the pandemic is a reason to invest in cannabis, Canadian cannabis stocks, not to shy away from it. Well, it, it, that's exactly it. Um, I, you know, we, we, we saw what happened uh, at the beginning with, uh, with cannabis sales. And, and you know, I, th- I think that there's uh, any startups always have, not always, but many startups have early dips. And I just think that's what we're in. Jeez, we're not even two years. So yeah. you have a challenge for this gentleman. Yeah, so I wanted to challenge him sort of out loud. And this is actually something I've been wanting to do for a long time, not just to Alan Brockstein, but I want to create, I have my own actually, Canadian Cannabis Stock Market Portfolio Challenge. So I've been trading Canadian cannabis stocks since 2014 or 15, and I keep track of them in my own online uh, you know, um, tracker with my own real money. And I'm going to put that information publicly on my uh, website. And if you're interested in following along or you know, taking my trades and my advice on stock uh, stock trades check it out on my website greengencompany.com and click on cannabis uh, stock portfolio challenge um, and you'll get a chance to play along too awesome i'm looking forward to doing that so greengencompany.com 
Cannabis.com. Click on Cannabis Stocks Portfolio Challenge and uh, get in the game. All right, let's get to change makers. And in these COVID times, networking has become necessary online. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, prior to COVID, events, networking, and you know, getting together as a community, as an as an industry was sort of the key way that, you know, deals were happening and, and marketing and sharing information. Um, that was sort of the major area that we had to do that within the restrictions within the uh, uh, legalization and Cannabis Act. But with all these conferences and networking pretty much grounding to a halt, I've had the opportunity to experience some pretty new, cool concepts in online networking um, without having to travel or going places. And what's cool is, is that, you know, some of these sessions, they've been really crafty and and, and how they're set up, where you're, it's almost like a speed networking session, kind of mm. like a speed dating thing. But you're like randomly broke, you get into these randomly breakout rooms in small groups, like two or three, and you get a set amount of time, like there's like a, to- a clock, like ticking down on you. But you actually get to speak to somebody who you've never met before, um, and who you probably wouldn't even approach in a conference setting. It's very randomized. So this is an opportunity that you get to see them face to face. You have your own FaceTime, like you have your own opportunity to give your elevator pitch. What are you, you know, what are you doing? What's your business or what are you involved with in the industry or what do you want to learn about? But you're you're doing it in a space and in a, in a more relaxed setting. Like I'm, you know, I'm sitting in my own home office. Um, in most cases, sometimes in my pajamas, only, you know, <laughs> business dressed from the waist up and uh, focus on and I can focus on my communication with intention and building connections and learning about other cool people, which I just don't think is it's like more authentic and deeper than if you were at a conference or at an event. Yeah, I, I really uh, am like you. I'm much more comfortable in my studio than, you know, being out, uh, you know, just uh, p- personal reasons and things like that. So this is something that I think is uh, is right up my alley. And so you make that connection and then kind of where do you go from there? Yeah, well, like pretty much everyone like, you know, really wants to connect. At least with me, I find that almost everybody wants to follow up. But it's easy because you can quickly find them on LinkedIn or some of the sessions allow for like your contact information to be shared with whoever you agree to at the end. So it's very easy to go from a networking session to an email to connect with that person, you know, and then set up the next time that you want to meet. There you go. I like this uh, event. Uh, I'm going to definitely look into this. And is this something you're doing on a regular basis? Yeah. So I do the the roll call with the Cannabis at Work. So Cannabis at Work is obviously a, is a recruiting or job placement group for cannabis sector within Canada. And they have the weekly roll call. So you add your name to the list and they sort of like it's it goes like 20 people at a time. So you may be with totally different people every time or some similar people. But the way that they do it is pretty, pretty cool. And it's very well organized. And there's also lots of other ones on Eventbrite like that are free. So just check out your Eventbrite um, to find out, uh, or even Meetups is another one they've gone online too. Excellent. All right, let's finish up with what it means to be green. This week, we're talking about pure life carbon and breathing life back into soil and plants. How do we do that? Yeah, so pure life carbon is, a, it's a, it's an Alberta company. Uh, they've been around for a while. And and cannabis, again, has really have been a catalyst for them to really propel their business forward and, and grow and scale quite quickly. Um, so this is what I mean is that this is a true built into my ethos of what it means to be green for my company. Um, so basically, you know, carbon emissions have been around uh, and accelerating. Obviously, you know what carbon emissions are for a long mm-hmm. time. 
And, you know, it's a climate change political football. But we're really starting to see the effects day to day. Global water levels, temperature, blah, blah, you know, devastating storms. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it, but the rhetoric is the same. It hasn't changed. And now we're adding things like, you know, COVID and, you know, world virus and civil unrest to these existing things. So this is such a simple thing is that Pure Life Carbon has this product called Charged Carbon. It's also known as biochar. And it's a grow medium. It replaces other uh, soils or cocoa uh, coil. There's a whole bunch of other things that can uh, cannabis plants can be grown in that's a soil medium. And Pure Life Carbon is engineering what is actually a very natural process and essentially just speeding it up and, and making it um, like medical or pharmaceutical grade and that it's very clean. Um, and it's basically a, a charcoal. It's basically a, a ma- manufactured firm, form of charcoal from burnt wood, essentially. So it's considered initially as a waste product, you know, burnt wood chips, and and either stays in place or ends up in a landfill. But uh, Pure Life Carbon has a facility in Alberta where they're taking this um, product and turning it into a soil medium that sequesters carbon. So that means that it will literally absorb carbon out of the air um, and for more than a thousand years if exposed to air and potentially has the effects of reversing climate change on a large scale if this is the, if it's exposed to air. It almost acts, acts like a battery for the plant. So I saw this great um, um, case study that was done by Atlas Growers where they were talking about it like as a battery where it's put in the pot, the pot where the soil is growing, where the plants are growing, and it's storing water and nutrients, air and beneficial microbes, releasing them to the plants through their own life cycle which results in excellent root growth and overall plant health. And it absorbs them and detoxifies pesticides and other heavy metals. So it's like a sort of like an all in one, like everything that the plant Mm. needs um, because it's very natural and works with all of the things that are growing in the plant. The one of the biggest benefits that it has is that it, it really shortens growing time because the roots are able to sort of, very easily grow and get a lot more uh, nutrients. There's not a lot of resistance for the roots to really take hold. And they're finding that this increases yield by 10 to 20%, which is quite significant when you're growing in a larger growth uh, room and in a small one. And it reduces the need for chemical herbicides and pesticides because it doesn't allow, it's anaerobic. So it doesn't allow for like algae to to grow or some of the other organic mediums have like pests, like gnats and things which have to be treated so really, it's just a really cool, very natural thing that I've learned a lot about just by uh, hearing about it from other people that are working with it and, and selling it and doing all these cool things with it. And charged carbon uh, and pure life carbon is what it means to be green. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I love the uh, the idea that it stores everything up and just kind of, it's like time released, right? Like as it... Yeah. Uh, as it goes, it releases all the the nutrients. So, and this is something that's easily just kind of added to the soil when you're when you're growing your plants. Well, they use it instead of soil. So, a okay. lot of the different mediums now they don't use it's soilless. So they'll okay, use like perfect. this cocoa coil or or these other like m- like organic materials, so the roots can easily like spread out. But because um, I guess what happens is these materials are also they also attract pests and grow algae. Like they have, they're very natural ingredient and you know things anyways. Sure. But the the charged carbon is like it's like almost like it's like um 
it's very clean. Like there's, it's only carbon. It's like the one, it's one carbon, it's one molecule. So it doesn't have anything, nothing else can grow on it. Right. So that means it makes the um, other things that sort of also grow and plants grow. Um, they don't, don't, they don't happen. Like the, the other organ organisms that need to be treated to help prevent them from hurting the plant don't exist. Huh. Um, so that was really cool. And it just seems like it's some of the pictures I saw are just incredible um, at how much faster the plants can grow, which effectively, if you're in a growing room and with lighting, you could literally have another, you know, another growing uh, round and higher yield just by changing out this, this medium, the, the growing medium to uh, charge carbon with pure life carbon. Huh. Helps the plant and protects the plant at the same time. It sounds like a uh, uh, a winning situation when it comes to uh, what it means to be green. Malka, thank you for joining me as usual. Hit up the website greengencompany.com and then click on the Cannabis Stocks Portfolio Challenge and try your luck. Thanks again for joining me, Malka. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Dean. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the hobbit's leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, we learned a lot already on uh, on this show uh, as far as uh, thanks to our guests and our regular contributors. So weed words of the day is where we go with one slang and one standard term. Your slang term is hot box. If you're new to cannabis, uh, you, you, you maybe have, uh, know about hot box from some of the old prison movies where they would throw a guy in a hot box and basically uh, steam him out. But uh, this is smoking weed in a smaller area like a bathroom, closet, I've used a tent camping while waiting out storms. Some people use their cars and then you have that haze uh, hang in the air. The concept is that every gets, everybody gets even more high as the smoke lingers. Uh, I wouldn't recommend doing this uh, very often. Um, you're just breathing in extra smoke. So I don't know how, I don't know the science behind it. If there is science, if it actually works or if it's just, you're just breathing in a bunch of extra smoke and whether that uh, does anything. I don't know, but we used to do it. And every once in a while, it's kind of fun if you're uh, in a, a place that um, you can smoke indoors, uh, get the hot box going. As for the standard term, uh, go with the Cannabis Cup. These are annual events awarding honors to the top cannabis strains and other things in cannabis. The event started in Amsterdam in 1988 by High Times founder Steve Hager. It's now held in other cities uh, in the United States, as well as Amsterdam. They were hosting it in November, although 2018, it took place in July, and the High Times Illinois will be online later this month, and High Times Oregon will be online in November. So there you go. That is your uh, weed words of the day. Is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond.
And that'll wrap things up for this episode. Big thanks to Kylie Beaudry for Parkland Flower for making it out to the studio and giving us the lowdown on micro cultivation. David Wiley from the OZ. Check it out at uh, OkanaganZ.com. Chris Ionson, our educator and the manager of Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave. We did cake from Habitat Craft Cannabis and Malka LaBelle from Green Generation Co. And check out GreenGenCompany.com and find out what Malka can do for you. She joins us as usual for the business of cannabis. Our cannabis question is about what you do with your already vaped bud. You could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack just for chiming in hope you enjoyed the show if you did please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and check out podcastalley.ca uh, i've got all sorts of shows that you may be interested if uh, if you're all if you're just interested in podcasts you want to check out some other topics it's definitely a cool place to hang out right by the hammock district if you'd like to be a part of the show as a guest or an advertiser please hit me up online cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com. As usual, the artist My Dead Dog plays us out with marijuana. Remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy.